Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we talk about business and technology, called politics and culture. This is Donya Keating. I'm your host live in the Seattle area about 1 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, April 23rd. Listeners, dialing 646-378-0261. We'll patch you right in for live on-air questions or comments. Raise your hand by pressing 1 on your keypad, and there's a chat option you can use. Sometimes it works better when you have a Blog Talk Radio account, which is free and fun, but you don't need to have it. So I'm doing a little bit something different today. And uh, it's more of a technical thing, you may or may not notice. So typically, we dial into the studio by phone, and we have our ear pressed to the receiver, which can control some of the background noise when we're trying to get into the broadcast here. So this time, we're trying out a new headphone, microphone, pop filter configuration, and more importantly, we're dialing directly into the studio from the online Blog Talk Radio Direct Connect tool. So I'm not sure how much of the studio noise or connectivity or whatever type of issues we'll be able to control during this broadcast, if there's are, if there are any problems at all, I, I would say. I'm not sure we're going to have any. But anyway, what we like about our followers and our listeners here is that you guys kind of roll with the flow. You're not really uh, you know, uptight. And I think that helps us because what I'm getting at here is it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission. And so I hope you'll hang in there with us while we figure this out and how we want to do things going from here at this point forward with our broadcast. So. Today's show is uh, kind of a hybrid. Um, if you've been listening to the show before, sometimes I tend to be on the show by myself, and I'll talk about some different topics, um, treat it sort of like a public service announcement of sorts, and we'll talk about different uh, subjects. Other times, I will have a sidekick in here, which is usually Charles Keating, and we'll do some of the same things. We'll bring up topics and then kind of give our sentiments or our opinions about that. And then there's like a third option where we're actually interviewing someone, and so it's really more about them and what they're doing and it's kind of a Q&A there and uh, provide some information to our listener base. So um, kind of a different format when we do that. And so many of you have heard of Charles Keating, so I mentioned him before. He participates on the show regularly, and uh, he's our guest today. So he's going to be the guest on behalf of West Sound Technology Association and West Sound Coder Dojo, which is due to be part of our uh, topic discussion here today, because we're talking about innovation and STEM and, uh, you know, and fixing the talent gap. So we've also invited some other organizations to call in and share what they are doing. Don't know if they're going to do that, but uh, they are welcome, and we're going to keep checking the switchboard to see who's out there. So um, in that vein, I'm going to look and see who's out there. It looks like I probably already have Charles, which is pretty cool. Charles, you out there? I am. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to you. Welcome. Um, There are a lot of people that are listening that have not probably heard of you, and uh, so we're going to start as if if you're just brand new. Tell us about you, and then I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for today's topics. Well, I started in technology uh, when I was very young. Uh, My family brought home computers from the high school, and I only later learned that the, the computer they were bringing home was probably worth as much, if not more, than the house. Um, but they would bring home like these uh, digital PDP-8E 
computers that were the high school computer, and they'd bring it home to do a repair on it and then take it back to the high school. So, you know, I came from a, a family of geeks um, who were more science geeks and engineer geeks before they were computer geeks and, you know, and physics and things like that. And I, I, I just had an early interest in, in the field thinking, you know, this is, this is just the beginning. This stuff's only going to get better and better. And, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously proven true. So that was my interest from a very early age. I started as a – I built my own computers. I assembled them from components. I uh, was, you know, even before some of the Apple IIs and the other kits that were out there, I had, you know, home-built computers. And so I, I was there at the very beginning of the microcomputer revolution. And, of course, I got a job as a programmer when I was 16 because I, I had skills and never looked back. And within a couple of years, four years, I had started my own company, and it's been over 30 years now that I've had my own IT consulting firm, Keating Consulting Service. And then with you in 2000, uh, we had we had moved from the Chicago area to Washington State, and uh, in 2000 we started looking around for opportunities to work with the community more, and we started up, you know, what was then the Westtown Technology Professionals Association because in our region we were close to Seattle, but just just far enough away where everybody was sending the work to Seattle and wasn't really looking in our backyard, and there were some really incredibly talented people in our own backyard. So we kind of called us together and said, let's create opportunities here so people don't always want to hop on the ferry if they want to do something tech. And that was the foundation and beginning of West Sound Technologies uh, Professionals Association. Later became West Sound Technology Association. And uh, you ran it from 2002 to nine, and then I've run it since. So, you know, we've um, we've been playing in the community sector for a long time, and this association has grown in its connections and partners with many other or agencies and associations and groups around the state. So it's it's in an interesting place. It's kind of the intersection. It's not just a technology group, but it's also about policy and working with governments and working with businesses and working with you know, interested individuals to see what kind of opportunities we can create in this region. So sometimes hard to describe, you know, people think, oh, are you guys a user group? And it says, well, we're really much more than that. You traditional user groups, I think, kind of went through a phase and have kind of, a lot of them have died out and some of them have resurrected, but we're much more than a user group around just simple technology. So that's the I agree with that. No, thank you for that. And I, I agree with that. I think that in a lot of ways we, we jokingly describe WSTA as an iceberg because there's a part that's up above that people see, or I would say more specifically people here in the region and what they see. Uh, and they typically see whatever event that we're we're hosting. And then there's the big iceberg underneath that represents all of the other meetings that we're attending and all of the other uh, conference calls and all of the other um forums that we're involved in where we're actually lobbying for and creating a lot of legislation um, in, in conjunction or in partnership with other organizations. And so it's really a, a well-known nationwide, not just um, within the state. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's very difficult to, to uh, kind of get people to understand your value proposition um, because all they're seeing is, you know, at the time, the monthly meetings and things like that without realizing how important um, some of the advocacy has been in the uh, IT slash STEM sector um, from West Sound Technology Association on behalf of the region. Anyway, uh, yes. so many of you, 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 exactly, you started yeah. those. You started some of those things years ago, and they're only coming to fruition now. 
I mean, think about the initiatives around STEM. You know, you right. started a, a WSTA as a Technology Alliance Associate Partner back in 2002. We worked for over 10 years to get STEM legislation passed, to get computer science considered as a graduation requirement, considering the, the key part that IT technology and innovation plays in Washington State's uh, economy. And I think at the time when Washington State finally signed on, I think there was only 17 states in the nation that even considered computer science a graduation requirement. So there's, and that's it's shocking. And that was just I think last year. So it's it's taken a really long time for some of these changes at the policy level to happen. Well, I, in, the interesting part to me, and this show is not about me, so I'm going to certainly uh, change that subject very quickly, but. In the beginning, when we were actually trying to talk tech, so quote unquote, to so many different people, they they really didn't want to hear it. They thought it was just about bits and bytes. Um, we couldn't really get our foot in the door in a, in a, a meaningful way, and um, you know, and so now, I mean, we we're working. You were right. We were doing things like Washington Learns and all sorts of legislation that is very instrumental uh, in getting a lot of the STEM curriculum that we're seeing right now into the schools and out there and as a point of, of topic and discussion. And now that it is ubiquitous and now that there are, you know, West Sound STEM Academy and STEM Network and STEM Showcase and all these other things, when we come back in and say kudos, you know, there are some people, not all, but some people think that we're trying to move in, quote unquote, on their on their accomplishments. And the feedback is, no, we're not. I mean, the fact that it's ubiquitous is fantastic. It just shows that the work that we've done and the groundwork that we've done and the ball that we've pushed uphill has finally come into fruition. And so you're right, it has been a very, very long process. And now people see how critical STEM and STEAM and technology is in our 21st century economy. So, you know, segueing into that, you know, we've talked about STEM. I don't know if everybody knows what that means, but it's science, technology, engineering, and math. STEAM, which is just the A for art, because that's obviously very valid in terms of other things that these skills play into industry and sector-wide. And uh, we also talk about innovation because it has an impact on our regions, on our nation, our world, really, and uh, how it influences things like uh, economic development, global competitiveness, education, getting our workforce up to speed, since there are so many employers and companies in the information technology space who say they can't find qualified candidates to fill their positions. And I talked on our last show about H-1B visas and a boom scandal out of California, May touch on that later, but that's not what today's show is about. But the mention is relevant here because talent is being imported from places like India through the H-1B program and I-squared bill, which is uh, trying to raise the H-1B cap. But those programs are considered remedies for filling the talent gap until we fix it. So that's why we're trying to fix it. So in that vein, Charles, uh, tell us what's happening with uh, WSTA starting with this weekend. Oh, See, you, you introduced that whole topic, and then you said, don't talk about that. <laughs> That's a cheat. But you're, you're right. I, I think there's a lot more that should be discussed about that. But, yes, as far as WST, you know, working on the solution side of the ball, um, we want to grow homegrown STEM talent here. And I think there's a movement to just import talent, which I think is a way of reducing costs simply. Um, it's not that we can't grow talent here. I think that's really important. In some cases, companies want talent immediately. And I think talent is here, and talent can be retrained. And talent can also be grown. There's all these different ways you can create the talent needed for the future innovation economy. We're starting to focus right now on 
kind of like the foundational stuff, like getting kids involved in, in technology. I think we operate on multiple levels. But like, for instance, the next two events. So um, this Saturday, 425, we have a STEM showcase at the Kitsap Mall. And the target is anybody who's interested in STEM, but it's, it's, it's primarily associated towards kids. But other people, it can really play at all levels. But it will be there between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., uh, our booth will be uh, inside the mall, kind of like by where the Barnes & Noble entrance inside the mall is. So we'll be booth 35. And, you know, I guess we'll probably have some giveaways and some other good stuff, but we'll be talking about what the association is, what we do, uh, looking for people to help us partner with providing educational opportunities and talking about our other future upcoming meetings. Did you want to go back and forth before we talked about the other things that we're doing, or you want me to kind of collect them all at once? Well, I, you know, we're talking about the West Sound STEM Showcase, uh, and I just want to kind of give people, go event by event, and then kind of give them a recap so that they know where to go and what you're doing, and then maybe throughout the uh, the show we'll get some people to talk, uh, call in and talk about some of the things that they're offering, because that's in alignment with the topic here today. But just for those listening, like he said, West Sound STEM Showcase, April 25th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Kitsap Mall. You're down by the Barnes & Noble. And I looked at some of your materials. looks like you're next to Kitsap Regional Library, which is pretty cool. And uh, the showcase has some, some pretty interesting companies in terms of their exhibitors. I noticed that they are obviously, they have several schools. You have DigiPen that's going to be there, uh, the library, like I mentioned before. A new organization that's called Kitsap Robotics, Electronics, Art, Technology Enthusiasts. It's kind of a mouthful called Create. Uh, and we invited them to be a guest or at least call in on today's show, so I'm not sure if uh, they've done that. Uh, looks like they'll have some fun activities there because I saw their details again, and they have about three tables of stuff that they're planning. Olympic College, of course, uh, the Planetarium, Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. I think I saw Siemens there. And, of course, you guys, so about 60 exhibitors in total. And you said you're not going to really have any activities, or you might, but you're just kind of sharing information Saturday, sort of? I, I Yeah, it's not going to necessarily be activities so much as talking about interest in getting people interested in explaining what a coder dojo is and telling them that the following Saturday on Bainbridge Island at the public library, we are going to have the first coder dojo, which is about teaching okay. kids to program. So okay. really the STEM showcase is the kind of lead up to say anybody who's interested in, in, in STEM, I mean, do people go to the mall for the STEM showcase or are they just at the mall shopping and they go, oh, what's all these booths? You know, you, you don't know. But people who are obviously interested in STEM or people who happen to stumble by, they may not know that West Sound Technology Association is starting up West Sound Coder Dojo, which is part of the Coder Dojo movement, um, okay, we'll talk about events. that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay. So let's just wrap up on the uh, the, uh, the the STEM showcase here. And so there's dozens of free hands-on activities there for youth of all ages. Mm-hmm. There's going to be robotics, ra- rockets. I think there's a bridge challenge and electronics, medical technology. I think even animals are going to be there, which will be very interesting to see what that looks like. But aeronautics and a couple other things. Uh, about the bridge challenge, I wanted to mention that if you go to westsoundstem.org and you follow the information there, you'll essentially find out that uh, it's a challenge for kids and what they do is they design or build or bring their best catapult to the showcase event and they can build it at school, they can build it at home and they use the guidelines on the West Sound STEM website and there are three challenge levels which is high school, middle and elementary 
And when you bring it in on Saturday, for people that are listening, you have to go to center court because that's where they do the load testing, and they're going to be doing that all day. So, again, one final mention, West Sound STEM Showcase. It's going to be Saturday, April 25th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Kitsap Mall in Silverdale. So, um, what next? I think, Charles, you wanted to talk about May 2nd, so let's just go right into that and uh, talk about your dojo. Yes. So, we are launching the first Coder Dojo, West, first West Sound Coder Dojo, which is part of the Coder Dojo movement. Uh, it's been around for a couple years, and it's about promoting um, programming skills in youth. It's ages 8 to 18. And some of the interesting, like if you looked at what our code started to do, they introduced the idea of very simple programming techniques to school-aged children, and it's not just school-aged children, but it's the idea. What Code.org's mission is is they wanted to start with schools and school districts and get all the kids interested, but their eventual goal is to have every American understanding uh, programming technology, because mm-hmm. in the future everything's going to be interacted with in an automated interface. Technology is, you know, continuing to go off the charts, and you know we will deal with more and more complex systems, and in many cases these systems will interact or be controlled in a programmatic manner. You're going to have to understand programming technology to some degree to be able to efficiently manage and use the things that are coming around. I mean, even if you're a baker, if you're a baker, you think, okay, I understand baking, but if you have a 3D printer printing decorations that go on top of the cake, that's a different type of technology, and you're realizing that they're going to have a different set of skills. So even though they're bakers, they need programming skills. You know, and there's really... You know, Derek Kilmer, you know, our our congressman, you know, he says, there isn't any job. Name any job in the future that isn't going to require technology or uh, technology skills. And that, Mm -hmm. I would say, includes programming. So the Coder Dojo is all about that. We're going to, you know, start with, um, you know, we're we're launching the initial, uh, the initiative this, uh, the following Saturday. So not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. And then from there, uh, how this pre- proceeds is really going to be driven by the volunteers and the parents that show up. So we're really hoping to get a lot of interest and see people jump on it. The good thing is Bainbridge is pretty supportive. So when we announced it, a lot of people looked at that notice. We got people signing up as volunteers. So it's a really great start. And uh, they are, if anything, they're they're looking for the future opportunities for their kids. And really, this is what Coder Dojo does. And uh, we're of course looking for sponsors and organizations that can help us host. Um, we're looking to Alvalara as a potential host of space on Bainbridge Island, and there are other possibilities we're looking at with the school districts and other spaces. Because, again, this is a completely free, all-volunteer-driven initiative, but there are still some costs, especially if you're hosting a space at some place where you have to pay for the space. So we're soliciting some donations to help us support, essentially, this program of the West Sound Technology Association. Yeah, and we've heard for years from businesses here about their problem getting highly qualified talent. And, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why that happens. But I think part of the issue also was that, uh, you know, there are some entities here that think it's okay to really pay much lower wages because of the cost of living and because, you know, that employee doesn't have to commute. But, you know, that holds some validity, obviously. But if you're if you're paying bills or sending your kids to college or you're traveling or purchasing goods and services, I mean, you still need a, a family wage. So, there are some businesses here. We have Paladin, ATS, Watson Furniture, Harrison Hospital, a lot of really uh, prominent companies here that are using technology and hiring information workers 
uh, and anyone that's going to be looking for that talent and trying to fix that talent gap. So we certainly hope that, you know, they're going to support the exciting initiative of West Sound Coder Dojo and the opportunity to not only go out and recruit talent, but to groom the talent base and provide an ongoing offering of free coding in the region. Um, West Sound Coder Dojo is the first one on this side. I mean, I think most of them are either there's one down in Tacoma and then the rest are on the Seattle side or in Seattle. And so there's nothing stopping other organizations from coming in and saying, well, you are covering the West Sound and you're in Bainbridge. We need somebody in you know, Jefferson County or we need somebody down in Port Orchard. I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously we would certainly support that. I, I just think it's, uh, like you said, when we first put this out, there was a lot of excitement and interest, but the people that really stepped up to the plate were from the Bainbridge side. So, you know, that's kind of where you have to go, especially if you don't want to be the only person running it and you want it to be a um, community-owned and community-run uh, entity and, and uh, initiative. So, um, again, May that 2nd up, at the Bainbridge, I, uh, you had some comments? Yeah, I was going to say, it brings up an important point. While we're starting it, this isn't something that we own. It's something that's owned by the community. And what's happened a lot of times with WSTA is we started off initiatives, and I've noticed other organizations have been spinning off and starting up groups to do certain things, you know, like they're holding technology meetings and, you know, meetings around web programming and meetings around how to do social media. And, and you know, I don't see this as competitive at all. I, I, I think of it as kind of a mission accomplished. What there hasn't been is opportunities to do some of the STEM stuff outside of the schools. And I think the STEM conversation has really been focused on K-12 and maybe higher ed. But outside of that narrow definition, you know, it's kind of hard to create these after school or before school or, you know, on weekend type programs. And Coder Dojo kind of fills that gap. Mm-hmm. And I, so, yeah, I mean, and there have been conversations with, I mean, for instance, I mean, if you could have, as an example, a Coder Dojo, um, and, and, I, and I think for consistency's sake, it's always good to have them at the same place at the same time. It, that's not always feasible, but it makes it uh, easier for people to stop running around and trying to figure out where you are. But uh, we thought about working with Olympic College and Western Washington University and having them in Bowl because that tends to be central. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, you, you've got to get the space. The space is critical. And like on the Seattle side, they have a really great partnership with Amazon. And so sometimes they move from one Amazon location to the next, but it's always Amazon mostly. Um, and once in a while they'll go to Living Computer Museum or they'll go someplace else for a special event. But for the most part, you know, they've tried to centralize their operations so that they're convenient and so that you can build up some groundswell and people know where to go. Um you know, but in terms of you guys, so May 2nd, you're starting at Bainbridge Island Branch of Kitsap Regional Library. It's from 1030 to 1230, though you probably want to get there around 1015 to check in. Parents have to stay with their kids. That's a real big uh, issue. That's a really big, uh, there are some bullet points that CoderDojo.com requires when someone decides to become a branch or a chapter, and that's kind of, that's one of them. And it's uh, it's a good opportunity to bond with your child to see what they're learning, and it's and it's an opportunity for you to learn right along with them in case you don't know coding. So it's not a babysitting uh, offering; you can't just drop them and go. But uh, ticketing is always required because there are some uh, we have to keep track of who's coming and what roles they're playing, whether or not they're a volunteer parent, just a volunteer, whether it's an additional child, whether it's you know. So we have to keep track of those things. And bottom line is westsoundcoderdojo.com. 
that's where you go to keep on top of the upcoming classes, your announcements, and uh, to volunteer to help put together curriculum, help with marketing and outreach, and, of course, mentoring and helping on the day of the event. So is there anything else you'd like to add about the dojo that we should know about at this point? Um, if, if parents are concerned about taking their kids to learn programming and they're not themselves understanding programming. I mean, there's going to be some parents there that are obviously very skilled that have technology skills and want to make sure they pass these skills on to their their their, their uh, children. And, of course, that's a very energizing environment. But for those parents that aren't you know, into programming or aren't familiar with technology, still bring your, your kids if they're interested because they'll be around other kids that are. And these tools are not terribly complicated. It's like if you're learning math, you start with the very basic stuff, and that's what this is. You're starting with some very basic stuff, although we have the capacity potentially to move up to more advanced stuff. So it's not always going to be beginner stuff, but you know, as we're starting out, we want to create an opportunity so that anybody can come along and, and get something out of this. And so I don't want parents to self-select themselves out thinking, gosh, I'm not into programming. I could never help my, my Johnny or Susie. Um, it's really not that bad. In fact, I think a lot of the experience with people who were concerned about this kind of material when they did the Hour of Code work, which was based on uh, MIT Scratch as the underlying language, uh, they found it to be actually very fun. And I'm surprised at the kind of projects that Merrill has been doing. It, way, it went way beyond you know Elsa skating around <laughs> a pond, I mean, which was kind of what they introduced in Hour of Code. And then I see Merrill, she's got... 30 projects in her MIT Scratch account. So she's obviously doing all sorts of different things. And that's what you want. You want to get them inspired, and they'll learn on their own. They'll learn a tremendous amount of stuff on their own. And, and the instructors are sometimes there just to give them a little push in the right direction. Yeah, and I, I think in the beginning, uh, because of where we are and because of the location that we have and some of its capacity limitations, it's easier to have that first class start off with something basic like Scratch, just to get you know a, a feel of who's in the room and what their, uh, their their proficiency level is. And then, of course, you know, like Amazon, we go to Amazon and there's two rooms, three rooms now, where you can go into the one that's you know Scratch, that's beginners, and then you can go into the one that's intermediate. And then there's another uh, room that you know they're doing something like PHP or JavaScript or or Python or something like that. And there's always a project or something that is very specific that day that is being learned um, versus just kind of throwing up a couple of programs and saying, here, have at it, and we're just going to look over your shoulder. So, it's again, it's an opportunity for somebody to come in in the beginning, and um, we'll figure it out as we go along in terms of who's where, in terms of levels and where they need to go. But certainly important, you know, to, to be there. So hopefully, hoping to see some of those people there on uh, the 2nd. And how are we doing here? Let's talk about uh, you've got one more thing coming up on May 20th. Right, and that is going to be at the Bainbridge City Hall, the council chamber space. Um, we'll start checking at 11. The presentation will start at 11.30 and 1 to 1. And we're going to have Jonathan Fiebert, who's head of Microsoft LCA, who will be talking about innovation STEM and issues around fixing the talent gap. Okay. So uh, just to make a quick comment about WST, you talked about this a little earlier and how it formed. And uh, you used to offer monthly meetings, and then you would have the occasional business breakfast briefing. You also had an annual summit. And, of course, you have some fun stuff. Not that the other stuff isn't fun, but you had an annual picnic and a holiday social. Um, yeah. But in 2015, 
starting in 2015, you decided to change that to a quarterly briefing format. So it doesn't mean you can't have other events into your agenda, but it's where you are. And so in February, you had an open data briefing, and that was with Socrata and Kitsap County's IT lead, and also with the state of Washington. And it was a very brilliant, well-attended, outstanding discussion um, between the parties. And I think that might lead to a future hackathon here, but you know, I'm not going to you know, put the cart before the horse. But um, I attended that, and I enjoyed that. So the fact that you've got the um, the second quarterly event here that is going to be about fixing the talent gap and innovation, I think that's great. So well, let's it kind see. Of speaks so th- to the issue. It speaks to the issue that's at heart right now, and we're we're having a, a major discussion around education, and we know that we need to invest in education. The question is how. Is it is it more butts and seats? Uh, is it more teachers? Is it more teachers' assistants? Um, is it you know? There's a lot of different place, pit places you could actually improve uh, this, and that's and fixing the talent gap actually ta- speaks to the larger issue. I, I neglected to mention one of the other speakers we're going to have is going to be Ed Stern, who's oh. a, a council member of City of Polsbo, but he's also on the Puget Sound Regional Council and the Association of Washington Cities and the Kitsap Regional Coordinating Council and the Kitsap Economic Development Alliance. So he's part of all these different boards. And in that role, he is really, you know, understanding or working with how Washington's economy is oriented towards innovation. And we have this huge issue right now, and that is we want to change things, but how do we go about funding them? And I think there's a lot of concerns if we start uh, opening up the door to, you know, to major tax increases. Are the money going to is the money going to go where we want it to go and is it going to give us the results that we want? That's a legitimate conversation. And I'm sure that that is going to be partly at the heart of this. It's not going to be just about policy, but it's also going to be about STEM and when we take steps to fix the talent gap, what do those steps look like? What kind of organizations can play a role? And how do we measure, monitor or measure the results? I think those are important. Those are all important uh, uh, pieces to the conversation. It'll also be interesting, and I know that we had um, talked to Drew Hansen, Representative Drew Hansen, who recently had a bill passed that was um, very helpful in terms of education and STEM in the schools. And I, I will leave him to talk about that if we ever get him on a future show, or even if he's at the May 20th meeting, he's able to show up. But uh, and that's part of what sparked this this uh, you know putting together this this program. So um, it's free, correct? Yes, it is. It's it's free again. So really, all of our upcoming meetings, all of them are free. You know, so you know, STEM showcase. You could just walk in; it's open, free to the public. You know, the the Coder Dojo is free, and this innovation uh, meeting for us is free. I mean, normally we charge for guests, um, but we want to get as many people in the room as possible. There's a small fee if you want to order a box lunch, and a lot of people are doing that. Um, but you know, it's it's free and open to the public, and I think you know we're trying to really expand our reach because. Everybody has to be involved in the next stage. It's like you say, WSTA and what we've been doing in the past, it's not just about the geeks in the back room working on the servers or writing programs. It's really about fundamental, how do we restructure our economy? How do we take advantage of technology to do things more efficiently? And sometimes you've got to break some eggs in order to make, you know, make the omelet. And I think you know, we're getting to that stage where you know, the easy 
the easy path has been taken. We've done the easy work. Now we've got to do some of the more difficult, heavy lifting stuff. And there's going to be some foundational things that need to happen. And, uh, you know, change is not easy. Um, a lot of people resist change, and uh, that, that causes a lot of uh, grief, uh, especially for the policymakers. I mean, the reason Drew can't confirm that he wants to be there, he would love to be there, is that he might still be in Olympia fighting the budget battle. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what is that budget battle over? STEM and education, amongst other things, and, you know, and how do we fund it and, you know, all these good things. So it's, I, I don't envy their job. I understand it's going to be difficult, but I do know, um, you know, investing in STEM and education is definitely the right direction. Where the resources come from and how we efficiently do it, that, that is definitely still a question that needs to be addressed. And we, and of course, you know, we could have an entire show about some of this where people are talking about um, that there's too much emphasis on STEM or STEAM and that we're in, in doing so, we're forgetting about all the other things that are important to the educational ecosystem. And the response, of course, is that it's not about supplanting what's out there with technology or STEM. It's about understanding how intrinsic those skills are in a 21st century global economy. I, I, I almost get the feeling that when you introduce the STEM education concept, that there isn't any resistance that this is, in fact, going to be necessary in the future. There is maybe a little bit less understanding that the cart has already left, you know, the horse has already left the barn, and that when it comes to, in reality, you need to have the STEM skills now, five years from now. You really do need them now. The, the, the number of tech jobs that are opening is, is a huge gap, and we could use a lot more students in STEM right now. Um, there are sometimes conflicting reports which say things like, you know, there was a big do- there was a big downturn in the tech economy after the dot com bomb in 2000, and a lot of people lost their jobs. And in some ways, technology employment, despite this quote unquote stats that show all this increasing huge demand, has only now achieved parity with some of the jobs that we had back in 2000. So it's taken a long time. But I'm just saying is there's almost like two sets of stats. There's what really is and what people think they need and, you know, where they could go if they had the talent and just all these different things where it just becomes very difficult for people to actually figure out, well, what exactly do we need? Well, we definitely need more people that have STEM skills. Uh, We definitely need to do a better job of the people with STEM skills that have gotten out of jobs to get back into them. I think that's a missing equation piece that isn't really being addressed right now. We see that because of technology people that are older, that have STEM skills, and because it's also an area where we're dealing with ageism, it's very extreme. You know, people think that only the youth know how to program computers or, or understand computer technology, and that is, not, that is not at all the truth. There are some very, very, very skilled people who are, let's just say mature, okay? <laughs> we could be in that category. The point being... Um, it's very hard for them to find new opportunities in the STEM career. And I think it's because, you know, hiring departments want to look at younger candidates just as a general rule of thumb, and it's kind of like, well, that's a, that's a real problem. We need to take advantage. I think the whole H-1B visa issue start, kind of re- revolves around potentially not addressing uh, the ability to hire older workers, or they will say, oh, your skills are out of date. It says, yeah, but, you know, they have a STEM background. They could certainly be retrained. Some of these people are very highly skilled. So it's, 
there's a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. Those parts are not worked out. That's what's still being argued, defined, and worked upon. I think the basic conversation is we know we need it. Now the question is, how do we get there? And I think that was really the purpose of today's show because of the contacts that we had. People, I mean, they weren't really interested in talking about the whole policy implications and the history and whatnot because we've talked about that before. They were really more interested in, I'm interested in STEM, I'm interested in STEAM, I'm someone that's looking to reinvent myself. What are some of the programs and initiatives and opportunities that are here in the county? And so, you know, the first thing we started doing was talking uh, about for for people that are, you know, of all ages, really, um, which is the West Sound STEM Showcase that's coming up this Saturday. And then following up with that on May 2nd, which is the West Sound Coder Dojo, which covers, you know, 8 to 18, which is pretty significant. That's all the way up through high school, and that's important. And then we also talked about the May 20th event that you guys have coming up at uh, Bainbridge City Hall from 11 to 1 p.m. Probably uh, want to get there at 11 o'clock to check in and grab your lunch if you've got one. You're a panelist from 1130 to 1, and it's Q&A, and you tend to make that interactive versus some kind of a PowerPoint hell. Uh, it's going to be uh, your panelists are Ed Stern. He's a, a City of Paulsville council member and sits on a variety of boards, as you mentioned before. And then Jonathan Freebird, who is the Director of External Affairs for Microsoft, and he's the lead on Voices for Innovation. And then, of course, you're moderating. So if people are interested in coming to that event, they have to go to westsoundtechnology.org and they can find some uh, information and registration there. So that's kind of another way to get information, to talk about what's going on, some of the initiatives, and to get a little closer to um, figuring out where you want to plug in. So um, some other – go ahead. There's there's other opportunities out there, and I think all these things you've mentioned are actually, you know, kind of our direct initiatives – but we have our we have our hands in a lot of different organizations and working with. So, for instance, like Olympic College. And um, so, I want to encourage people to come visit with us because we can talk not just about these direct initiatives, but about all the other things around technology that are happening in the area. Yeah, um, and I'm I part of the. Um, uh, and I mentioned Kitsap Create, which is, and then there's also a makers organization, and then uh, Kitsap Regional Library has opportunities for workshops and activities. And then, of course, Olympic College, in particular, I know they have degree programs, and uh, you also have the opportunity to earn certificates. And so I was going to ask you, actually, you you started mentioning it since you're on the President's Advisory Committee at the college, if you knew if those certificates were just for CIS or did they actually get the one for cybersecurity or homeland security or whatever it was where they're trying to retrain retired veterans? They haven't gotten that yet, as far as I know. Um, I know they have gone from a two-year to a four-year degree program in information technology, but this is this is brand new for them. So it's still an evolving program. I mean, their 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 first classes uh, for the four-year program started this fall. So I'm very excited with what they're doing. But they're looking for people to help serve on their computer science uh, advisory committees. So they're reaching out to, you know, some of our major companies here. And I've, we've made the introductions, you know, with Paladin and ATS and companies like that and saying, you know, what kind of workers, Avalara, what kind of workers do you guys, are, are you going to need? And, um, you, know, you know, Java programmers, people who understand web technology and, you know, different things. And we're kicking them, we're, we're connecting them up with OC because OC's done a pretty good job of listening and tailoring their programs 
And it's very interesting. Once you get into the education space, it's, it's, like a, it's like a marriage between trying to figure out what the demand needs are of your area and trying to map those into educational curriculum, which then has to be aligned so that it's consistent and, and credits can transfer with programs in other parts of the state or, mm-hmm. you know, in, or nation. So it's, it's not a simple process. It's pretty complicated. And in fact, one of the things that we talked about at the advisory council was, you know, education around technology has, has, has traditionally been split into a couple of paths. Those people taking um, computer, te- you know, uh, career technical education or CTE versus higher ed or those pursuing four-year IT degrees. They tend to take different paths and have courses that overlap but with different parts of the curriculum involved, and therefore they don't perfectly line up. And in the past, they've had students that had to say, well, which tag do you want to take? Do you want to take the CTE or you want to take the higher ed? And I'm like, why? You know, if they're taking a basic programming course, it's just a basic programming course that should work with whether you go CTE track or higher ed track. And that gets into this, how do they align their degree programs and make their programs transferable? And it also, the other part of it is funding. You know, they get different funding for what students are doing. And the state has funded CTE programs separately from higher ed uh, four-year degree programs. And so that's also part of it. So I guess that's all under the engine to the people who are interested. But I wanted to, to let our audience know that's the kind of things we're working on in the background when you wonder what does WSTA do when it's not having a meeting that you're attending, is we're working with organizations like OC to make sure that their programs can be accessible to the greatest number of people, transferable as, as, to the greatest degree possible, and giving them advice on where the market is going and working with them. So those are all things. DigiPen is an example of that program. When we first came out, there was only one DigiPen program in the area, and the feeling was, well, we got one, so should we be okay? And we were like, no, we want to have a lot more. So OC partnered to bring that in, into the, uh, the Bremerton campus. And actually, as of this point in time, I don't know if they're repeating it this year. I'm assuming they are. But we got to have some follow-up conversations and find out you know, where it is in the pipeline. I, I'm assuming it's in the syllabus, and I will uh, check with our contacts to see where we're at, uh, that they're promoting it the next stage. But you know, they're, they're, they're biting off a lot. So I know that they have been distracted just trying to get everything going with what they're doing. And, you know, they were awarded uh, the Aspen Prize. Uh, they were one of the finalists. They didn't get the final prize, but, I mean, they were one of the candidates, one of ten uh, community colleges nationwide. So they're in the uh, top percentile uh, based upon what they've been able to accomplish. Well, they're not just in the top percentile. They are one of the top ten, which yeah, is pretty ten. awesome. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, so absolutely kudos to Olympic College for that. And, uh, you know, the DigiPen thing, it wasn't really over here before. Um, and then WST partnered with West Sound Skills Technical Center and OC last year to offer um, a free gaming, well, almost free. It was $30, and I think that was just something that they asked for, but it was primarily covered for the um, gaming summer workshops, summer fun, I think they call them. And it would be, it would really be great if they did continue that this year. So it would be interesting to hear from you um um, maybe in another show as to whether or not they were able to bring that back. So can you think of anything else that's going on uh, in terms of programs or initiatives or opportunities for people that are interested in plugging in? I, I, I would say there's more than meets the eye, and these initiatives take a lot of work to line up. 
So certainly come to the Coder Dojo if your kid is interested in programming. If they've loved the Hour of Code programs, come to the Coder Dojo. Become a volunteer. Help us host these events. It's very important that we have the community engaged. And as, as an organization, WSTA, we want to reach, we want to work with our business members and sponsors in this region, uh, our members. We need to keep them in an engaged space. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time to run the organization and to make progress on these initiatives. So I would welcome you to become a member of WSTA, a business member or a sponsor, and help us lead these initiatives. I know it's probably one of those things where you could just feel like maybe we'll just let it take care of itself, but reality is this stuff doesn't take care of itself, and we fill a specific role of making sure that this, these uh, programs are connected with the community, and that's our, that's our whole goal. We, we are a connector between the community, between education, between the technology sector, and the, um, the skilled mentors that are out there teaching these courses. So we're looking for support, westsoundtechnology.org. Uh, come check us out, and we hope to work with you. And you know, and from the bigger picture, and back up to the topic of the um, the episode, which is really about you know what are the opportunities that are out there for the region, and what are some of those programs and initiatives. I mean, obviously, oh. this weekend is certainly a really great first start uh, at the West Sound STEM so- Showcase uh, on April 25th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Kitsap Mall. There are so many different exhibitors that are there um, as a start, and you can figure out where you need to be. I mean, you can start with something like West Sound Technology Association. You can go to West Sound Coda Dojo. You can find out that there's free available programs at the Kitsap Regional Library. You can plug into your school or your district because they are all, all also going to be at this event. And you can also even talk to the Shipyard and the Maritime Association and all types of different organizations that are there to talk about STEM and how it fits in. Um, to their operations. So that's certainly a good start at the very least. It's the best start I thought of, in a lot of ways. I thought of one more thing, and that is in the STEM conversation, we didn't bring it up in this whole discussion. I just realized it was kind of like we missed one piece. Uh, it's not just about STEM. It's also about making sure that the gender issues and race issues are addressed in that the STEM fields are definitely underrepresented when it comes to women and minorities. A lot of the initiatives out there, there are initiatives out there that are specifically tailored, for example, getting girls engaged in the STEM field and um, getting minorities engaged in the STEM field. And so if, if you have a young girl or minority and you're interested in the STEM field, there are people looking for you. <laughs> they are looking for you and want to get you involved. It is definitely a focused initiative at the state level. And I know that Technology Alliance has programs, and I know that WTIA has programs, and WSTA hopes to create the same kind of programs here. And uh, I think that's just one more piece of the puzzle that I think is uh, important to add. It's not just the young boys who should be interested. It's girls, too. Yeah, I I guess I didn't mention it because I see it as just an issue for everyone. So, I mean, surely there's people that are underrepresented. There are a lot of reasons that they're underrepresented, and um, I'm not sure all what all of those are, but I do know that to the extent that you get your messaging out there and you try to work with them at the public level in terms of organizations that don't have any qualms about welcoming everyone to their um, 
to their programs and initiatives, then, then, you know, mission accomplished. And then there's also the follow-up piece that, you know, people like us aren't going to be able to fill that gap, and that is when they go home or when they go to school, based upon what those districts have and can afford to offer, and that becomes another conversation. So, you know, just for starters, just reach out to your community and, and their offerings and their resources, which don't discriminate, and uh, and that's and then there's no excuse for not having that information because it's available to everyone else. So, um, Maybe I think instead we're just, of striking, they should uh, promote STEM. <laughs> they should get a, well, the STEM day. Okay. Well, I think we're good for this afternoon. And uh, I'm going to thank, uh, thank you for tuning in, everybody, and for this broadcast. And thank you, Charles, for uh, coming on and talking about your initiatives and for continuing to take a leadership role in, in STEM and IT and, and education in the region. And uh, for those of you that are listening, this podcast is about to become a, uh, oh, this, I guess this live broadcast, I should say, is about to become a podcast. And you can listen to it whether you're listening right now on our Blog Talk Radio site or whether you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. Follow us here. Follow us on Facebook at backslash STR8 Talk Radio. Sam Tommy Roger, the number eight in Talk Radio. Next week on April 29th at 1 p.m., we'll be talking with some guests about Island Power, which is a citizen initiative to create a municipal electric utility for the people of that island going to be very interesting to hear from them and ask some questions. Sonia Keating, signing off at about 1.46 Pacific Time, April 23rd, Thursday. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. <laughs>